Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Business Solver. As a leader in benefits technology transforming the total healthcare experience, Business Solver has studied empathy in the workplace since 2015. And honestly, they've found that empathy has never been more instrumental in attracting and retaining talent. But what does empathy look like? From their survey of more than 3,000 employees in six different industries, the results are in. And talent is looking for flexible work arrangements, employers that ease the stigma around taking time off work, and renewed commitments to DEI. Are you ready to infuse empathy into your company culture? Visit businesssolver.com slash empathy. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to another episode of the Love in Action podcast. We are the only show that explores the powerhouse business principles of love and care for competitive advantage. Hey, glad you're here. Spread the love by sharing this episode with a friend. And if you like the show, we would be grateful if you could leave us a review on iTunes as well. So today I wanna to talk to you about workplace empathy. And it's a topic we've tackled uh, in, the, in the past, so we're bringing it back. You know, this human practice looks a lot different than it did last year. Empathy has become one of the most important play calls in the leadership playbook, if you will. So why do I say that? Well, empathy fosters confidence. It, it cultivates strong working relationships. And you know what? It shores up resiliency during those uncertain times, like hello, a pandemic and maybe even a recession. So from CEOs all the way down to employees on the front lines, there's, there's been this, this increase in the belief that an empathetic organization will have faster business growth and higher employee retention. So to learn more about how empathy is impacting organizations, I'm going to bring in an executive from one of those top high growth brands that, that we love to feature here on the show because they closely align with the love and action message. Business Solver has been at the forefront of delivering the best benefits administration technology solutions. Since 1998, it has truly been a team sport for these guys to take the field each day with an organizational perspective called the Business Solver way. It's been the playbook for how they, they treat each other and how they treat their clients, of course. It's what defines their core values. Uh, their core business, their operating principles, their safe environment, and even their common language. So today I'm gonna be speaking with Ray Shanahan, who is quarterback, coach, and cheerleader all rolled into one. But on paper, if you wanna give her an official title, she is Business Solver's Chief Strategy Officer. And she's responsible for maintaining and enhancing this, this playbook which informs Business Solver's business excellence, training, client engagement, and product development efforts. Ray was recognized in 2022 with the Bronze Stevie Women in Business Award for Female Executive of the Year, and Ray now joins us. Pleasure, finally, to connect with you. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast. 
Thank you so much. Excited to be here. So, Ray, quarterback, coach, and cheerleader all rolled into one. I mean, come on. It's obvious that you're probably a sports fan, right? Well, yes. And and some people may say Shanahan, the last name, might equate to being uh, in that football lore. And evidently, there is a there is a a, a connection, a few, um, you know, fourth or fifth cousin to the Shanahan family that are the coaches. But um, I'm here because I I love the thought of 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 how coaches have to motivate people differently. So here's the example that I like to use um, amongst our teams is rarely is there a coach that goes out during pregame and spends time, you know, getting the, getting the team ready and then leaves the field during the game and sits and eat bonds, sits and eat bonbons <laughs> and then comes back out and says, how'd we do? Right? No coaches are out there understanding each individual player, understanding where they are in their journey, how to get them excited, how to get them motivated. And, and it's really about, that's really what empathy is too. It's about understanding uh, the, the people and where they need to be met. Okay. Since you went there, I'm going to geek okay. out right. as well on, um, especially speaking of coaches, because I'm an LA guy, right? I grew up in LA. So that means that I'm a Laker fan by heart. And, uh, uh, Lakers had that, that the awesome coach, the Phil Jackson, you know, he was called the Zen master. I mean, talk about getting to learn to uh, about your players, what makes them tick, you know, and drawing, drawing things out of them that they didn't right. even know they had inside them. And, and, uh, I know there's some empathy in there as well, uh, because, you know, when, when Phil was able to get the most out of his players, you know, including Kobe Bryant, when Kobe right. was like 17 years old, 18 years old, there's a lot of empathy and, and heart stuff going on there to, you know, to relate that to deeper level than just X's and O's. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, and empathy isn't just meaning that, that, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to care for this person. No empathy really, it can, you can have accountability with empathy too. And, and sometimes you have to have some tough love and that's still, you can still be empathetic when you're not just making people feel good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We definitely let the cat out of the bag here, okay. but let me back up a little bit. And, and so before we dive into your work and, and how you do things at Business Solver, we, we always start to show with this. You ready? I'm ready. What's your story? Which one? <laughs> I have, I have lots. So being part of an organization that uh, we grew organically from um, 20, 10, 20 employees in the year 1998 to now over, you know, close to 1600. I've got lots of stories along the way, but I'll tell you one. And, and I'm not going to get into the personal life, but I'm going to get into kind of the professional life and what was really meaningful. I got fired by a coach and I got fired by my dentist in around 2008. And they're kind of related. So the dentist fired me because I wasn't taking good care of my teeth. And I had multiple teeth problems. And it was my excuse was, I don't have time. I'm working so much. And um, and then uh, some a, a person came into our organization and offered to coach me. And I said, fine, okay, I will. I, I don't really need it. I know everything I need to know. What's a coach going to help me with? And um, he uh, noticed that, that I wasn't very engaged. And he fired me and said, I just don't think that you're ready for a coach right now. And I was like, whoa. So my story is sometimes you have to face the reality that you're not exactly what you think you are and um, have to have to kind of pick yourself up off the floor. And then I came across a book by um, the Arbinger Group called Leadership and Self-Deception. Oh, I love that one. Prior to that, I would never read a business book because remember, 
I knew everything and I didn't need to be coached. <laughs> so that book about being in the box and out of the box was truly a life-changing moment for me. Um, and it really changed the way that I wanted to approach people, the way I wanted to approach business. And, you know, back to, you know, the purpose of your, the whole meaning of your heart, of your podcast about leading with heart. And, you know, that really started kind of our journey also as an organization to embrace empathy and heart in everything we do. Yeah. Thanks for that story. That's good. That's good. So I introduced a business solver, you know, earlier, but I, I want to hear it in your own words, you know, as, as their chief strategy officer. I mean, how would you describe the company? Yeah. I describe it by technology with heart. I love it. Yes, we yes, we are a software development firm. Yes, we create software called Benefit Solver and we use that to support our clients and their employees. But what it's really about is, and if you think about employee benefits, people need them. And it's very important because if they are healthy, they're going to be happier and they're going to be more productive in their work. So our focus is on um, helping our clients' employees make sure that they use their benefits and um, they have access to the benefits at the right place at the right time. And that's really through our our technology. Yeah. So what drew me to you guys in the first place is your annual uh, workplace em- empathy survey. And I, I know you guys have conducted that for, for several years now. So before we get into some of the findings from this year's survey, maybe start us off with some history. And, and I mean, what's the importance of releasing the, the these findings annually? Well, we were um, um, we work with an organization called Edelman, and uh, they had always had this thing called the trust barometer. And we went to them and said, we want something like the trust barometer because we want something that we can build on and and is really key to our our culture. So we were known as technology with heart. And they said, let's do empathy. Empathy is something that is not. I mean, if you search for empathy back in 2015, there wasn't much about empathy. Let's be yeah. real. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, so we, you know, found some interesting results over the years and, you know, we're going on year, we just launched our 2022, uh, or 2023, um, survey to the field. And so that'll be our eighth year of doing this annual empathy research. That's awesome. Okay. So, you know, I always love to uh, speaking to an executive who's looking at, at the data, uh, did anything pop up for you that made you go, well, okay, oh, that one got my attention. Yes. Two things. Number one, 90% of employees say that they would stay with a more empathetic employer, which I think is important because in this day and age of, of employee retention, that's a pretty big number that they will stay with it with an with an employer that they view as empathetic, even if they were paid more money. And then the second thing is um, I believe the number was around 68% of CEOs felt that empath showing too much empathy could be a sign of weakness. And um, that that they would be seen as as weak to their employee population, and so those were the two that really I think stood out. What makes that perception be what it is? And, you know, thinking that uh, showing too much empathy may be seen as weak or soft and fuzzy. Is it that they may not have a the right understanding of what empathy is? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I am an amateur psychologist, so. Um, <laughs> You know, over my 22 years, I may not have a lot of degrees or written a book, but I can tell you I've, I've, I've experienced lots of situations. So my thought on this is um, many and, you know, again, many of the CEOs that are out there answering this are probably I'm at the end of the um, Gen X 
uh, you know, kind of line or baby boomers, they grew up in a very traditional work environment where, you know, when I think when I started my career back in 1990 at Maytag Corporation, they still required women to wear skirts, pantyhose and heels. Because I remember I showed up one day in pants and they said, now, you know, you're supposed to wear a skirt. And so when we think about so many of the of the leaders of organizations today, you know, they had their upbringing in those traditional in, in, in traditional mindsets. So even if they've evolved, they still at their core, you still go back to that, you know, that instinct of that ego fight or flight instinct. So even though they've evolved, they still go back to that, uh, I think, many times. You know, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon and expand it a little bit, okay? Because I'm I'm looking at that, and now we're in the DEI age, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. okay to say this. But in the past, probably back then, um, hyper masculinity kind of ruled the roost, if you will, and so there wasn't any room for empathy and compassion, those things to show up because yes, because traditionally male hierarchy and the ways that men led or, you know, and were taught to lead over the years from all the way back to the industrial age, you know, we're still hanging on to those relics of the industrial age, right? We are. But now here's what we're seeing. Okay. So women are starting to level out the playing field, which is amazing. And finally, they've arrived, you've arrived. It's still not even, I should say, but at least they're starting to come into the to the uh, um, to the corporate world in more leadership roles, and and so I am seeing that feminine traits, which by no means is weak, right, are are coming into the picture and into the leadership realm, and it's now showing a good example of how to lead, whether you're a male or a female. We're balancing out this hyper masculinity, these traits that came from the you know 50s, 60s, and 70s, from my grandfather to my dad. And 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 we're seeing more more women that are showing up in the workplace. They're introducing us to things like vulnerability and emotional mm-hmm. intelligence and transparency, right? And I think that to me that that speaks volumes to the strength that women bring to the leadership realm. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. And and um, when we think about empathy in the workplace, it really is about just appreciating and understanding where people are. I think about uh, one of my favorite Brene Brown uh, videos about empathy is is oftentimes we think empathy means um, helping people and um, making them feel better. And it's not. Sometimes it's just really sitting in the moment, yeah, listening. And as she calls it, just don't silver lining it. Yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit offline about this. I want to bring this up is that uh, I guess that uh, empathy was sort of it, it was on the decline uh, since last year. And I'm curious to know why that is. You know, I think it was um, just like it was up a great deal during 2020. I think that we we surveyed right at the beginning of the we were doing the survey in 2020, right at the beginning of the people being sent home. And, and I think there was a lot of empathetic conversations at all levels where they were everybody's trying to figure out how do I make this work from home thing work and all of this. And then last year's um, survey came out um, right around the time um, that people were facing they may be forced to go back into the office. They may, may be given. So I think that it was a, a decline in that in that year from 2020 to 2021, really tied to um, the uncertainty. And then going from, hey, everything's going great working from home, but no, nope, now you have to be back in the office. 
you'll be happier if you're back in the office. And that put that put people in in difficult situations. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't. It'll be interesting to see what comes back out when we uh, do get the get the latest um, results out from that are out in the field right now. Um, you you told me that uh, you know more executives have to kind of uh, uh, take on the role of the chief empathy empathy officer. And so I want to touch a little bit on that and also why frontline managers have to be empathy leaders in the workplace these days. So we're going to unpack that and more after a quick break. This episode is probably sponsored by Business Solver. You know, people are at the heart of everything that Business Solver does as a company. Their people share new ideas to improve products and processes that serve their customers because people are at the heart of everything you do, too. Taking care of people is key to keeping up in today's marketplace. In their research, Business Solver found that although empathy at work is on the decline in recent years, managers have never been more instrumental. Increasing 25% since the pandemic, more than a third of employees say their manager has the greatest impact on building an empathetic work culture. Business Solver believes that empathy is so crucial to business today, they've been researching it since 2015. Their State of Workplace Empathy study aims to educate people on the evolving meanings of flexibility, diversity, and other drivers of culture. So what are the behaviors, policies, and values of an empathetic organization? Discover actionable data at businesssolver.com slash empathy. Okay, so the chief empathy, and it's hard to say, empathy <laughs> office. Try doing that 10 times, you know, as fast as you can. <laughs> so why should CEOs kind of channel their inner chief empathy officer? You know, what, what's why is this role more important, you know, today more, more than before? So even in organizations that aren't overly hierarchical, it's still important that the leadership behaves and shows and really treats people the way those people want to be treated. So again, we have something in our organization called our table and the E at the end stands for embrace the reverse golden rule. So as, as C titles in, in we don't, we shouldn't treat people the way we want to be treated. We really need to think about really on your side, what, what's going on in your life. And as leaders being able to, to showcase that I think is extremely important in organizations needs to be done at the top and and really in every layer within the organization needs to focus on empathy. Yeah. You know, one of the um one of those rare traits of empathy that I don't think is ex- exercised often is the ability to listen. I mean, everybody can listen and hear mm-hmm. what's going on, right? But to be able to listen with with the 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 under trying to understand what's going on on the other side of the fence. So I think that that's um it's almost like a a servant leadership way of listening is to meet the needs of the of the of the person that you're listening to. So it's not just a transactional listening and hearing right. and, and and acknowledging, but it's then doing something about it, right? So I think that's it's kind of empathy a little bit on steroids, where yeah, it, I like you it. take it and you make it actionable. So let's bring this conversation to the the frontline manager okay because okay. we have so many frontline managers that that listen to this show this show so gallup for decades has determined that the most important relationship that determines an employee's success you know when it comes to an engagement 
is the one between the employee and the immediate manager. So let's bring empathy into the conversation. Now, why are we seeing employees now are mm-hmm. are are starting to look to the frontline manager? It's almost like an expectation that you you have to be an empathy leader these days. Is that true? I, I guess I don't I think about it like this. I don't think about it that you have to be empathetic or not. You just should be. <laughs> that should be how you are as a leader. You need to listen. You need to you need to understand your um, your employees and meet them where they need to be met. And that means more than just transactional conversations and doing the work. So leaders taking time to get to know their employees, but having time to um, open up. We do something every day. Um, I brought this into the organization in I think 2012. We started and we still do. Every department all, all across the organization does a, a daily stand-up or a huddle. And we start every meeting with a blue sparkle. Um, don't it's a whole different story about where blue sparkle came from. But um when I introduced this first in 2012, um my direct reports were like, Ray, nobody wants to talk about anything positive. They don't, they don't want to share. This is going to be bad. And I said, All right, let's do this. I'll give you, we're going to do this 21 days. Cause you know, that's how you're supposed to, how long you're supposed to do something to make a habit. So every day they started stand up with a blue sparkle and um, all of a sudden it's like, they told about something in their personal life. They shared something positive that happened yesterday at work. They, so it, 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 it grew and it grew and trust me, it's now been 10 years and we still do blue sparkles every day. And so that's, that's an example of giving helping people talk about things that are that that are are positive in their life and telling their stories and listening to those stories um those those employees feel like they matter and they feel heard yeah it's funny you brought up uh, something that uh, you know Amy Edmonds Edmondson studied this and wrote a book on psychological safety and i think that the two empathy cannot well tell me if this is true or uh, can empathy happen in a in a in a place that does not foster psychological safety because to me if you are in a fear-based pressure cooker environment i don't know if well one i don't know if people have the or leaders would venture out to want to be empathetic no because they will probably want to like control you and basically tell you what to do and and you don't have a voice do as i say uh, but in psychologically safe environments, is you you kind of set that set that environment for people to actually express their their best ideas, their input, yes. and I think there's I mean, there's tremendous impact and value uh, in in workplaces like that. I don't know, maybe business solver is that way, where if you allow people to have input and and make it safe for them to do so. Right. Then you can you can capture the team's best ideas, suggestions and strategies that you may not have thought of before. Uh, I think you're she's spot on and you're spot on. You you cannot have a fear based environment um, to and, and, and foster empathy and foster that that heart in, yeah. in the leadership. Um but it's, it's, that's different. I mean, that is really hard. It's funny. Uh, our CFO who started here going on three years, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, he early on when we, even at the leadership team, we, we go through book clubs. We do dare to lead. We've done uh, something called subtle acts of, of, of exclusion to, to learn about, um, you know, microaggressions. And he's like, this is so touchy feely. I just, I don't, I don't like to talk about, you know, 
our, our employees as family. And, and it's like, but why, why not? We spend so much time together and, and our, and, and so much of our formative life is, is working. Why shouldn't we do that? And he's, he's come around and he's like, he's like, I get it. Empathy. I always thought about empathy as being easy on people. And, and what empathy really is, is you can have accountability in an organization and still be empathetic. You can have direct, authentic conversations with people and, and still be, you know, empathetic. We can expect people to do their jobs and still be empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up the, the accountability piece. Cause you know, it's, you don't want people to assume that by being empathetic, you kind of hand the keys to the inmates of the asylum, right? It's, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> they're still expected to perform. Um, yes. And, and you, you hold their feet to the fire, but by, by being more empathetic, I think uh, I, I'm, I keep going, the word safety keeps coming up for me is you make it safe for them. Right. To express their best selves and bring their best selves to work. So. Mm-hmm. And and I think we have to model we have to model that at the at the leadership level that it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to admit things and it's okay to change your mind. Um, there's a concept of you know holding your ideas lightly because something that we may have believed five years ago may not be the case now. So I'll talk about like remote work. Prior to the pandemic, we had uh, two hundred and some people that that worked. Um, that worked remote and around, you know, 800 or so that worked in the office. And we were very office centric, very uh, CEO at the time. It took basically an act of Congress to get approved to work remotely. And as we got into the pandemic and we saw our, we already had good employee engagement, but we, we do this pulse survey um, monthly with our employees. And we saw basically all of the measures go up. They felt more connected to the business. They felt more connected to their leader. They felt more productive working remotely he changed his mind and we are now a hundred percent remote organization and, um, and it's okay. Um, I think that's part of being empathetic too, is just appreciating that, that it's okay to admit that you make a mistake. Yeah. 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 That's that, that uh, part of the leadership evolution is, is now we're getting into the, the understanding that to truly lead, lead from the heart is to uh, understand that it's okay to admit your mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. And if you, if you admit your mistake, you make it safe for other people to, to say, Hey boss, I messed up as well without right. them walking on eggshells and thinking that they're going to, you know, be reprimanded if they make a mistake. We want people to fail forward, right. In yes. order to grow and change. Right. Uh, fail, and fail fast. But you know, there yeah. is a, there is a fine line. Let's say if we, we can't keep making the same mistake over and over and over again, that's, Again, that's 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 not acceptable. However, we we do we need to when we when we do something wrong, we or we say something wrong, or we just apologize and be sincere. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's something tells me that it's, it should be human nature to be empathetic <laughs> and know these things on the inside, but not not everybody has the capacity to be able to 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 respond in that manner, right? And I think that's why leadership is such a you know, leadership is not cut out for everyone, Ray. I think that you, you know, I mean, there's a lot of character involved in leadership. I mean, empathy is about character. So uh, I always go back to my clients and say, okay, make sure that uh, you are assessing and vetting your future leaders to be ones that are are really good people in general, right? right? That make right. good decisions and good judgments and 
and not just you know look at him as somebody that has confidence and and uh, executive presence <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> well, hold water anymore. And just because they were a, a great individual contributor doesn't mean that they're going That's to right. be a, a great leader. But I do also think that individual contributors can be leaders. They 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 really are leaders of ideas and leaders of processes. So I'm a believer that you you don't just have to be a leader of people. You have different ways you can lead in an organization um, and use your strengths that way as well. Good point. Good point. So I want to bring up. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about generation generations. Okay. So you know every generation that comes into the workforce shapes the culture of work, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, it was all about the millennials, right? you know, study after study pointing out how to best lead the millennials and all that. So, and now we have generation Z, the one that came after the millennials and we're seeing them start to enter the workforce in great numbers. You know, they're now in their early to mid twenties. So how has Gen Z changed the way empathy is is seen and talked about in the workplace? Yeah, interesting. Um, Again, I'm not I'm not I don't have all the data to back it up. So I'm going to kind of go with some gut here. Um, How I'm seeing it change in the in the workplace when we think about bringing the Gen Z and the tail end of the, the millennials too. they they grew up in a digital first culture and and they have have lived with their information being read and seen and shared everywhere. And so they really come into a culture already embracing some of the things that we've been talking about, sharing stories, sharing their personal views. And, and so in some ways they can help foster that culture of empathy by, by opening up and sharing something that they've been very used to doing. Right. Whereas me coming from the, the Gen X days and, and, you know, close to a baby boomer, you know, I, I didn't want to share much about me and share my story because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about them, but giving them, giving, giving a voice and having, having that in the culture, I think is extremely important. Yeah. And I'm totally hopeful that this generation, Gen Z, is the one that's going to break the mold of micromanagement and break the mold of all of these toxic workplace uh, uh, rituals that that we still cling on to because you know these people are going to be leaders in 15 20 years yes i'm hoping that they're going to reinvent the wheel when it comes to leading yes yeah i've got a son that's right in that that sweet spot of 23 and he's starting his finishing grad school, starting his first job. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to hear him, um, how he approaches that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So being that we are a business podcast, uh, we need to to elevate this conversation to the financial aspect of it, right? What what impact, financial impact uh, does empathy have on the business? I mean, is there a core direct correlation? Do you see it between an empathetic workplace and financial growth, or maybe even higher employee retention. I, I definitely do. Um, so I'm going to glance at my notepad because I, I I couldn't remember this uh, at, at for sure. So yeah. there's a there's a top twenty. I, I view. Let me let me correlate. I view empathy is is core to a culture, and we know that there's positive cultures and there's toxic cultures. So when I the top twenty five culture index said that. Um, over since 2005, um, they have had a 1,429.1% financial growth versus compared to the S&P 500 having a 248% growth. Wow. So, um, and that's that's really directly tied to um, employees and, and, you know, engaging in the culture and, and appreciating yeah. the culture. 
Yeah. Hey, we're going to be banging on this drum. Uh, we're we're not shying away from the fact that we're we're trying to make a case here that that things like empathy actually do translate to business outcomes. Mm-hmm. We're not just cheerleading for empathy. The, the, there's got to be a business case attached to it at the end. Yes. So, yeah. And and you know we're we're a believer that you know part of our our mission is grow our business, delight our clients. And we know we can't have delighted clients without having delighted and engaged employees. It has to start there. And so all the way through the hiring process, through um, the onboarding process, through uh, how we reinforce that culture and and bring it to life, um, you know, is, is key to retaining employees and key to delighting employees. And again, then it's the right thing to do. They'll take care of our clients too. Bingo. Yeah. All right. So we have, uh, as we wind down here, a tradition on the show where we ask our guests the leadership love question. So <laughs> in your own words, how do we practically lead with love day in and day out? Two things. We have something in our organization that we call our table and they, the R stands for being response ready. And you, you talked earlier about how important it is to listen. Most of us as natural, we, we present as one of three things. We're either acceptors saying, you know, okay, you said to do this, so I'll go do it. We are tellers. I'm a teller. I have so much to share. I want to tell, tell, tell. And then we have people that um, they they are guessers. So they like to anticipate and they get their joy out of anticipating. And And part of response readiness training is forcing us to be discoverers so that we can listen. Because Engage asking questions helps people feel heard and feel like they matter. So that's response readiness. The E um, or, or the T stands for build trust through transparency. Um, we all know that that build having empathy in any kind of you have to have trust. So being open, being authentic is extremely important. Um, the A assume positive intent. Um, and and you know it's it's. It's the best way to wake up every day is if you're when you're out driving around and somebody accidentally cuts you off instead of throwing them the bird. How about if you just say, you know what? They just made a mistake. They were just facing off. It's just isn't that so much better? Oh, yes. 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 And so then the B is be real. Uh, We want our employees to show up every day authentic and and it's okay. We can have a bad day. I can say I'm struggling today and and we don't need to we don't need to fake it till we make it. We can we can be honest about it. Right. And then the L is live a growth attitude. We believe everybody in the organization is is in sales, that they support the the growth of the organization. And then E is the um, embrace the reverse golden rule. So my favorite party trick. So snap four times. And draw a capital E on your forehead. (laughs) (laughs) How did you draw it? So if you drew it so that you can read it, then your then your first reaction is is generally to be think about things from your perspective. If you drew it so that I could read it, then um, then it's then you're more likely to think about it from the other person's perspective. And I think that that came from a, a Daniel. What is his name? Daniel um, Goldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but it's well, a great party I, trick to to get going. Full disclosure: I drew it to read so I can read it myself. And, and I don't and know that. It's okay. Yeah. Because then you, you know, I think what 99% of the population has the ability to be empathetic. And so you just have to remind yourself your first, if you, if you do it, so you read it, your first, you know, instinct is to think about it. How should I handle this situation or how should I approach this situation versus um, when you're empathetic, you think about it from the other person's perspective first. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love that you you just touched on (laughs) great stuff uh, about emotional intelligence and raising your self-awareness. I mean, that's a a whole other podcast in itself. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for bringing it up. So before we wrap up here, we have talked a lot about empathy today, but I, I have a feeling we have barely scratched the surface in the number of insights you have curated over the years. So for listeners who want to dig in more, where would they go to get more information about Business Solver? Yeah, sure. And of course, website or LinkedIn. So it's it's Business Solver with two S's in the middle, not three. So B-U-S-I, if I can spell any S-S-O-L-V-E-R.com and then, and then forward slash empathy to um, access our, our uh, library of empathy study. Information. Perfect. And um, I'll make sure I have that in my show notes as well that you can click on it. So, okay, we bring it home with two questions as we do with every guest. Here they are. Personally, Ray, what's really tugging at your heart right now that you'd like us to know? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm really worried about the division that's that that are that we're we're experiencing in our country and just the polarized beliefs. And um, I, I just I wish we could find a way to appreciate each other's, again, empathy, appreciate each other's perspective and not hold ideas so firmly that, that, you know, that these long held beliefs continue to cause the division. And, you know, that's, I think that's what really pulls at me is just that, that, the the bipolar, um, the polarized um, environment that we're in right now. Yeah. It's totally dysfunctional right now and how we're, how we're doing this uh, and this whole divisiveness. Um, and I'm looking forward to 2023 being a year, regardless of where we go politically, where people come to the middle and not be so entrenched in the left, right kind of dichotomies. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to come to the middle and sit at the table and be able to listen to the other side. So, Finally, our guests close us out uh, with a key takeaway or uh, maybe a closing remark to keep us inspired. So. Do you remember, did you ever remember that the concept of friendship bread? So you would get a you'd get a bread starter and then it would grow, you'd feed it and it would grow, and then you go give it to other people, and then they would grow it and give it to other people. Yes. That's what I view. Um, if anybody from Business Solvers hearing listening, they'll they'll die laughing because I bring this up a lot. But I believe that as leaders, it's our job to cultivate that friendship bread. And then spread it throughout the organization. You know, you, you can start a movement. You're not, you're not going to all of a sudden have a great culture. You're not going to all of a sudden have a, you know, empathy at the core of everything, but we, we, we need to work with the willing and, and use the friendship broad, the friendship concept yeah. to help spread that um, awareness and love in the organization. I love it. That's going to stick with me. Thank you so much, (laughs) Ray. This has been such an amazing convo. We're much better for it. So if people want to connect with you, is there a place that you'd like to um, point them to? Sure. I'm LinkedIn is probably the best place for me or my, you know, personal email is rshanahan at businesssolver.com and would love to hear from you. It's been an honor. Thanks for joining us today. Yes. Thank you. This was fun. That wraps it up. Thank you, Love and Action Tribe, for joining the conversation. And hey, you can continue the conversation and comment on this episode with hashtag Love and Action Podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, look for my show notes on my website, marcelschwantes.com.
I want to thank today's sponsor, Business Solver, for making this episode happen. Leaders who want to motivate their people in today's workplace must realize that empathy is a non-negotiable. Let's continue this conversation by exploring their findings at businesssolver.com slash empathy. Thank you for listening to the Love in Action podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and watch your business grow.